0: hello good human and welcome or welcome back to the sunshine project podcast my name is chloe i am your host and i am over the moon because it is our very first real proper episode back for the year i know you've been listening to the sunshine snack packs while i've been taking a little bit of downtime. And truth be told, I have really enjoyed recording them as well because it's felt a little bit like shooting from the hip or just plonking myself down and having a chat with you. And hopefully you remember from last year, that's the whole point of the podcast. It's just you and me sitting across from one another, drinking a cuppa and riffing. And today, my love, we are riffing on all things Airbnb, specifically my Airbnb, the business that I run, Juniper Grove. I have put off making this episode for quite a while, mostly because there are so many things that I want to say. There are so many considerations. It's so layered. It's quite intense. Um, But It has been very heavily requested, especially in the Facebook group, which is, as you know, because I'm sure you're already in there hanging out with me, the Sunshine Project podcast community. This one's come up again and again and again. So here we are. I'm going to answer all of your questions, all of your nosy questions and just wondering questions and I think I might want to do these questions and I'm going to be answering them very honestly. I'm going to talk you through starting the bed and breakfast, bringing Juniper Grove to life and what that actually looks like and I'm going to talk to you about running the business as well. And I am also going to dedicate a whole a whole little bit at the end of this episode to the ethical considerations I had and have when doing this. And I have promised my lovely producer, Alex, that that will only be a few minutes long. So I'm going to put as much good juicy information in there and in all of it as I possibly can. But given you and I are back in our routines, it's time first, before any of that, to settle in for a mindful moment. Hello, good human. You and I are meeting each other right where we're at today for our mindful moment. If you are standing or walking, I want you to strengthen your spine and stretch your body out and stand or walk tall. I suppose if you're sitting or lying down, I kind of want you to do that as well. I want you to take up space. I want you to let your chest swell, breathe in, out you go, and then I want you to fold into yourself a little bit, just in a way. That feels comfortable. We're going to feel through our body and see if there's any tension anywhere because we like to loosen that up at the very start of an episode. So give anything a little shake or a little wiggle or a little massage if you need to. And as we breathe in and out, deeper than that, I think, and reset our breath. the episode and the day, you and I are gonna talk about a concept that I've been trying to put into words for a little while now. Our mindful moment today is all about the idea that what you water is what will grow. So this idea is a simple one in essence. What I'm talking about is The idea that if you give water to something, if you give air to something or sunlight to something or, you know, whatever, whatever that something needs, then that something will grow. And if that something is something positive, if it is an idea that sparks a little joy in you, that you are spending more and more time thinking about and dwelling on that idea will grow into something beautiful if that something is a friendship that you're nurturing you will see that friendship come to bloom if that something is a kernel of self-love and self-care then you are gonna feel as you breathe in and out all sorts of golden and relaxed and centered As you think about the love and water and sunshine and time you're pouring into that thing. But if we water weeds, if we water thoughts that are toxic, and I mean toxic to ourselves as much as toxic to anyone else, if we water doubt or insecurity or negativity, those are the things that will grow. If a weed has sunshine and water and food and air, then that weed will grow and that weed will take over our whole garden if we don't keep an eye on it. And I think that we all have weeds inside of us. We all have aspects of our lives that we perhaps give a little bit too much time to, maybe that looks like a habit that we just can't break maybe that looks like a recurring thought that makes our brow furrow and our fists clench and our jaw tighten that we just can't stop holding on to and if we water it if we keep watering it and giving it air and sunshine and life then my love the garden that is your mind will be taken over. So today's mindful moment is about figuring out what the flowers are in your garden. What is something in your life that you would love to see in bold, vivacious, glorious colour? What is something that, if there was a little bit more of it in your life, you think would add a big dose of cheeriness and of joy to that life of yours hold on to that for a moment just sit with that because that's what we need to water we need to starve the weeds whatever that little kernel of nastiness is that's trying to overtake the garden bed that's trying to block out the light from all of the flowers we need to stop giving that water and sunshine and air and you can do that i know it's a hassle i know it's an effort taking care of your garden is something that can take a lot of time and a lot of energy but my goodness it is so worth it when the flowers are in bloom and the fruit is ripe for eating and yeah this week Let's be really conscious about what we're watering and what we're letting grow. And the good stuff we're letting grow is going to feel like a warm glow inside our bellies. Spreading all the way out to our fingertips. (sighs) And here we are. So, obviously, today's mindful moment was not directly connected to what we're speaking about today, although I do think that, as I mentioned, I'm a little bit nervous about speaking about the bed and breakfast, because I do know that there are lots of opinions out there about this, and for good reason, so there should be. Opinions are important, critical thinking is important, thoughts and ideas are important, but... You know, when I think about just anything that creates divide, like that might be regulation of short-term rentals, that might be politics, that might be like anything in the world, what flavour ice cream is the best? We can choose to give time and air and water to our frustration and our anger and our resentment And the reinforcement of the ideas we already have, or we can choose to give water and air and sunshine and love to curiosity, which might lead us to the same place. Like, we might end up shaking our fists in the same way, or boldly proclaiming that peanut butter and chalk chip ice cream is the best flavour that has ever existed, and we will not be budging on that, and that's fine, but giving water curiosity rather than frustration is something I'm working on this year, and yeah, it just felt relevant to this episode, I guess. Anyway, to begin the Airbnb series, because as you hopefully know by now, you and I do two episodes a week, one on a Monday, one on a Wednesday, and we do like a part one and a part two Today is part one and we are going to be talking about starting the B&B and we're going to be talking about renovating the B&B and then we're going to be talking about the ethical considerations that I had and that perhaps you have around all of this as well because your girl has some ethical considerations always. So... As we get the ball rolling on this episode, I thought it would probably be best if we started with why I am going to keep saying B&B instead of Airbnb, because you will hear me say b and a lot, but Juniper Grove does exist on Airbnb, and the reason that I go for B&B instead of the air bit is because essentially I consider Juniper Grove to be a bed and breakfast as opposed to... An Airbnb in the traditional sense. And that's a little bit confusing. I guess what I mean by that is I use Airbnb, the platform, because that's what it is, right? It's a platform. The same as I've got a Facebook profile, the same as I've got an Instagram page, the same as many people I went to high school with I have a LinkedIn that is regularly updated. I have an Airbnb listing. And the reason I use Airbnb as opposed to my own website or anything like that, is essentially just for security purposes. That's it. And that goes both ways. I use the platform for my own security. It means that I'm not having to give out personal details. I'm not having to take out excessive insurance and things like that. I'm not having to mitigate the safety of the property with lots of people coming and going, worrying about things being leaked, worrying about anything like that. And it's also for the security of the users. So because I am really conscious about everything in Juniper Grove staying safe and lovely and the guests feeling safe and lovely, if I was to go through my own platform, every single time I had a guest, I would be requiring 10 points of ID from them. I would be requiring their driver's license. I would be requiring their credit card in a similar way as you see when you book in, in a hotel, because that stuff's important to me. And being on Airbnb, they take care of all of that. You register your identification when you sign up, you prove that you are who you say you are, and then that is done. And There are listings on that platform that tell me as a host if other people have had problems hosting the guests that is requesting to stay, I can read if they've thrown a party or if they've pinched stuff or if they have been really difficult and angry and abrasive to deal with. And I mean, that stuff very rarely comes up in my inbox, but it is such a beautiful peace of mind to know that I have that information there ready for me. But yeah, when I say b b instead of Airbnb, it's because I still think of Airbnb as a concept, more like renting out a room in your house and I think it's because when I was growing up we had people in the periphery of my life who did that like my friend's grandparents rented out their back room on Airbnb and they got to hang out with people and meet people and do things like that and when we traveled through Europe we used Airbnb but it was quite a different experience I feel like lots of the places we stayed were kind of bare bonesy and maybe that's because we were in touristy areas. But the reason I call it a bed and breakfast or a and is because the experience that I'm giving to people is way more similar to when Patrick and I were like 18, 19, 20 years old and staying at bed and breakfasts. And we were staying places where food was provided, which is something we do at Juniper Grove. And we were staying at places where Everything was thought of, and you could tell there was so much love and intention put into all of it, and it wasn't like a way to make a bit of quick money or a way to have a passive income, which, trust me, we're going to get into that later, but yeah, just more of a bed and breakfast experience, and something that comes up all the time is people asking me whether I cook the breakfast at the bed and breakfast, no, I don't do that, but nor did anyone at any of the bed and breakfasts that Pat and I stayed at before Airbnb was a thing where we are. And we used to stay at quite a few because we lived with his parents and it was nice to get away sometimes. And so, yeah, the expectation was never for us that the owner would be there and cook for us. Actually, we would very much prefer if they weren't because we were usually looking for a romantic getaway, and again, some time to ourselves. So, I know in some other countries it seems that people do cook breakfast for you and like sleep in the same house as you and things like that. I would consider that to be more of an inn these days. Anyway, hula dolly. That is why I say B and B instead of Airbnb. So how did I fall into this? Because I did truthfully fall into this. It's such a big part of my life now. Um, It's such a big part of what I do with my days and my business and my identity, but I did not intend to do this at all. So Juniper Grove is a little cabin, in the Adelaide Hills and it was built by my grandparents by hand in the 1970s and when I say by hand I mean they had a combi van named Bessie and they would fill her up with wood and sheet metal and nails every weekend and they would lug it all up there and yeah just build the house which I think is amazing and originally it was just one room set into the side of a hill on I think about 2,000 square metres of just bare paddock, like there was nothing there. And in the time between the 1970s and now, lots of things happened. The cabin was built onto a little bit. My grandparents moved out. My father worked on it with them quite a bit uh, and then he died. The cabin sat empty on and off for a little while. It did have some renters in a couple of different stages, but quite often that ended in absolute chaos. So there was a family that lived there once, but because even after the extensions, there was only one bedroom. They were all kind of living in this tiny cabin on top of one another, and sadly that family actually fell apart trying to live in those conditions. And then there was someone that rented... Most recently, I think, which was like five or ten years ago, but that was a calamity. There was a story, there's a story floating around the neighbourhood, which I've been told 12 different versions of since I started renovating the cabin, but basically it involves an ex-girlfriend and a trailer full of flooring supplies and a deliberately lit fire and it was the middle of summer and there was nearly a bushfire and it was a really big deal and After that, basically, it didn't really get rented out again. My grandparents moved back in there while they were building onto their house that they live in. They were building on space for a carer to live there eventually so that my grandpa doesn't have to go into care in the next few years because he's in his 90s now. And it really had got to the point that it was all a bit much for them, these 2,000 square meters, because also in that time, my grandpa had planted hundreds and hundreds of trees on the property, and some of them have grown to like 40 feet, 50 feet high, and there's this abundance of beautiful natural wildlife. There are koalas and echidnas and kookaburras and a giant kangaroo, and All these, you know, animals that have homes in these spaces and my grandpa has always loved pouring love into that. So all around the property there are little bench seats that he's built that he would sit on and watch the animals. And there are little nesting stations that he fills with moss and coir and all sorts of things so the birds can pull them out and make nests and there are water stations and frog stations and there's a creek down the bottom with bridges over it so that humans and the animals can pass over and yeah a couple of years ago he oh I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this he had like a really nasty fall actually bringing some wood up from the bottom of the garden and It was really scary. There were broken bones and there was a really worrying time and there was the decision then that to great regret, they were going to sell the cabin. And originally when they told me that, I was stoked. Like I had spent a lot of my childhood down there. I hadn't spent much time in there in the last, you know, 10 years or so, but I spent a lot of my childhood growing up there and just marvelling at the place. And I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe there'll be some kids that move in. Maybe there'll be a family. And I quickly learned that, no, that was not the case. And that, in fact, because the cabin was now in not excellent condition, because there wasn't adequate heating or cooling or a uh, water supply or much of much, there was a good chance that given the state of the market being hot, 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 and it being a seller's market, there was a pretty good chance that it was going to get purchased and then get knocked down. And that a lovely, shiny, new weekender home would be built in its place for someone from perhaps the city or from Melbourne or from Sydney or from overseas, and that hit me really hard, and it wasn't just because of the beauty of the place and the biodiversity, and it wasn't just because of my childhood memories there. We've spoken about this before, but the reason that it hit me the hardest is because this cabin was, is, the last place that my father spent time, that I've been able to spend time as well. As you know, if you're a regular listener to the pod, uh, he passed away when I was very young. He died of depression. And yeah, to think that that last link I had with him was about to be gone and that I would never have that again kind of perhaps selfishly spurred me into action. And when I say that, I mean, I said, what if we turned this into a beautiful bed and breakfast? What if I brought the magic back to this place? And that proposal required a lot of faith from my grandparents because where it was when I said that to them was so far from where it is now. I don't think they really believed me that I could do it. I don't think they really believed me that it could ever be a place that was beautiful and hospitable. And that could, you know, pay the money that they needed to not sell it and to hang on to it. So they put a lot of faith in me and goodness me, I'm glad that they did. So... That's the property, and the property exists separately to the business. So there was the decision to start the bed and breakfast and to renovate the property, and essentially, I'm going to do a whole episode on renovation, but what I can say about that is the renovation was the most difficult time of my entire life. It was all-consuming. I lived there For a month by myself, full-time, I had a mental breakdown. I laugh, but it was very serious. It was very dire. Um, I spent my entire life savings on renovating the place and on, I suppose, pouring love into it all because that's what it required. Nothing that I collected for the renovations, no person that I hired, no decision I made was made at random. Everything is so full of love and intention down to like the cutlery and the picnic rug and the brand of shampoo and conditioner and like everything took so much thought and love and effort and money that that basically sums up the property side of things. So alongside the property side of things, we have the business side of things because Juniper Grove, the business is separate from Juniper Grove, the property, because my grandparents still own that property and I would love to buy it from them one day. And if this keeps going so well, like this month we are booked up literally every single night of the month, then maybe one day I'll be able to say to a bank, hey, look, I can pay the mortgage if I buy this, if I keep doing this, but at the moment it is theirs. But the business is mine. And the way that I started the business was essentially first I needed to work out my branding. So what was the bed and breakfast going to be called? What was it going to look like? What was it going to feel like? What is the logo? What is the vibe? And for that, I went to a, a workshop called the Hosting Masterclass. This workshop is amazing. It is probably the most expensive a bit of personal development or work-related thing, or maybe even life-related thing that I've ever done, apart from buying my house. It was pricey, but it was so worth it for me, and I have a background in marketing and a background in branding and a background in social media, but the hosting masterclass essentially run you through every consideration that you might need if you want to start bed and breakfast. So that is from things to offer your guests, the sort of experience you want to offer them, the product that you're sending their way, again, branding, what your space feels like, what message you're sending to people, what your house story is, all of this stuff. It was over two or three days and it was full of other women And I think that's really interesting as well. Like something that I took away from doing the hosting masterclass is a lot of the people who are starting Airbnbs with a lot of love and intention, like they're not just like, oh, yeah, I've just got this spare house. I'll just chuck that up online. Like the people who are really putting their heart and soul into this are often women. They are often working class women. And by that, I mean, these are not people who are sort of like swanning around. Maybe some are, but the people that I met were people with full-time jobs, with their own businesses, with kids. Um, Some of them were single. Some of them were newly single, trying to find a way to support their families. Like this is a real, it's a really heartfelt space, I guess. Is what I would say there. And I love to think that it's a space that people are finding opportunity that perhaps has not been offered to them in the past. Anyway, we'll get onto that. But essentially, so you have to work out your branding and your product, what you're offering. So for me, that looked like a bed and breakfast that was heavily inspired by the 1970s which is the period in which it was built again from hand it looked like somewhere that was warm and cozy and wood clad and you know it was all things log fires and board games and disconnect to reconnect and really slow intentional moments whereas if i had a bed and breakfast in the middle of the city then maybe, I mean, that would look completely different. Like the branding that I would come up with would be sleek and stylish and vivacious and fun and quirky and quick. That's a really big part of working out what your offering is. And then after I worked out the branding and the product and things like that, I created a profit and loss sheet with projections for the next few years and I gave that to my grandparents because I really wanted to do everything well and truly above board like that was very important to me I didn't want them to think that I was just doing this on a wing and a prayer even though I really do most things on a wing and a prayer I wanted to talk them through how much the renovation was going to cost Who I wanted to hire in terms of helping me with cleaning and housekeeping and management, maybe one day, and consumables like bread and eggs and wine and body lotion and kits to start the fire with. How much all of that was going to cost? What ongoing costs the place would require. So, electricity and internet and pest control and all sorts of things like that. And you know marketing and things as well so the hosting masterclass was something i needed to consider ongoing costs around just so many things there look truth be told the profit the profit line had some things on it that said eventually in 2 to 5 to 10 years we can all be making a profit on this before then i can be paying you the rent that you need to not sell this place and for our link with it not to be lost and for the trees not to be lost and but for now we can be doing okay and what I would say in summation of how I started the bed and breakfast so that is doing the branding, it's doing the marketing, it's doing the renovation, it is pitching, it was all of it. What I would say is, I do not know that you can start an Airbnb for the money in two thousand and twenty four. I don't know that you can start a and B for the money. i I just actually do not see how it's possible, and maybe that's quite close-minded of me, but I had to start this for the love of it. Because when you take into consideration buying a property or owning a property, when you take into consideration paying staff, when you take into consideration launching a product and then doing well and then having enough time to pour love into it to make sure it keeps doing well, that is not a big money-making exercise. It's not a big money-making exercise at all. And so if you're in a position where you have a Home that you have inherited and would love to live in one day but you can't afford to right now or you have a holiday home that's been in your family forever and, you know, everyone else in the family wants to keep it as a holiday home but you would like to see it enjoyed when other people can't stay there. You would like to see strangers enjoy it as well. If you're in, like, a funny particular sort of situation like I was and you can do it for something other than just money, you can do it for the love or the restoration or the hanging on to something that you really want to hang on to and that your heart's telling you you need to hang on to, then I would say, like truthfully, it is the most cup-filling, heartwarming, difficult, wonderful thing I've ever done in terms of business. And one of those things that I've ever done in terms of my life, it's been an amazing Experience And in the next episode, we'll get into what running the B&B looks like and we'll get into all of your questions about it as well. And yeah, a few more nitty gritties there. But if I was doing this just for money, my accountant would have told me six to 12 months ago that I need to put this down and step away from it because where we're at right now, that is not the reason to do this viably or sustainably or in a way that you'll survive. Let's speak quickly before we wrap this episode on the ethical considerations of Airbnb or The ethical considerations, I suppose, of just having a short term rental in general, because this is something that I thought about a lot. And I think I think people don't realize, especially when they see my social media, because they think that I just like swing in and do things and, oh, I'm renovating this cabin. And like, wouldn't it be fun to have this for people to stay in? Every decision I make is so well thought out. It is like lying awake. It is speaking to my friends until they are absolutely sick of the sound of my voice about all of the things I need to think about to make sure it's a good decision. And I think that in terms of ethics, like in terms of working out whether you feel that something is ethical because b and b's short-term rentals, Airbnbs get brought up a lot in terms of when we're speaking about, you know, the rental crisis, because the rental crisis is real and it is atrocious and it is shocking how difficult it is for people to find a place to stay. Like I am so pro housing for everyone. I am so pro everyone should get a serve before anyone else gets seconds. I mitigate that personally by we have some friends that rent from us on our property, therefore freeing up a rental elsewhere. So that hopefully someone else can have that rental elsewhere. That's not connected to Juniper Grove, but that's just in general. Like that feels good. That's hard stuff for us. But essentially, if I'm deciding if something is an ethical decision, what I look at is whether it is a net positive. That's gonna look different for everyone. There are short-term rentals that do provide a net positive. There are short-term rentals that provide a net negative. I can't speak on anyone else's situation because I'm not in their boots and I think everyone would think that they're doing the right thing. But essentially, all I can do is speak to how I came to the decision that Juniper Grove is a net positive rather than a net negative or even a net neutral. And for us, that looks like the fact that we were able to save the cabin We were able to save the biodiversity around there. We were able to save the peace. It looks like the fact that we are able to employ local people and actually employ local mothers of young children who do not have the capacity to work outside of that in the same way at the moment. And when I say local, I mean within the same neighbourhood. Like that was really important to me. The people that I employ, I pay a fair wage to, so I pay them $55 an hour. The entire cleaning fee that we charge plus a little bit extra goes straight to them because I want them to know that their work is valued and appreciated and that I could not do it without them because I actually could not do it without them. It also looks like employing small businesses to do any work when it came to the renovation and it comes to the maintenance and the repairs and things like that. On our end, it looks like having and running a small business that is sustainable, that is eco-friendly, that is carbon neutral, that is, I suppose, by all accounts, a very positive alternative to hotel accommodation, like these big chain hotels. And speaking of big chain hotels, it also looks like providing the only option in the neighbourhood for short-term accommodation. So I don't know that I could or would start up an Airbnb or a bed and breakfast close to our house, close to where we live now, because there are lots around us. The Florio Peninsula is full of hundreds and hundreds of Airbnbs and of bed and breakfasts and of short-term rentals of all kinds, and there's just no need for one here whereas where the cabin is it is the only one in the neighborhood it is the only one in the general location i don't want to give away the exact location but yeah it's the only one you're going to find i think in terms of the ethical consideration again that i went over a lot when i thought about whether it was a true net positive is the fact that I am personally very pro-legislation when it comes to housing. We need houses for everyone. We need affordable housing. We need available housing. We need accessible housing. The house that Patrick and I sold before we moved into our cottage, we sold for just over $300,000 in 2020 Not one thing has been done to that house since we moved out, and it is now valued at over $500,000, and it is not worth that. It just drives me bananas. I'm pro-legislation in terms of capping rental prices. I'm pro-legislation in terms of having that housing built that is available and affordable and accessible. I'm pro-legislation when it comes to... I actually... (laughs) This might be unpopular for people listening that want to start or run an Airbnb, I I think there should probably be more legislation around how many short-term rentals are allowed to exist in an area. Because if you've got too many, like it's just no good for anyone. And if some of those can be turned into long-term rentals, if they are appropriate for long-term housing, when you take into consideration all the things you've got to pay for, I actually think it would be a way better financial decision and emotional decision to make for a lot of a lot of places. So I think you should have to apply to run a bed and breakfast, that it shouldn't be something that anyone can choose to do, especially when it comes to swapping out a house that is currently tenanted and is really needed. But again, everyone has their own reasons. That's everyone's business. It's just where I stand on it, um, and I'm also pro legislation around paying my taxes. And I'm not just saying that in case someone from the ATO is listening. But I pay. I don't pay rental taxes on Juniper Grove. I pay business taxes, so I probably pay way more than I need to. But it's really important to me that the money that I make, like. Even the modest income that Juniper Grove brings in can then be put back into our society. It can hopefully help with some of those issues around housing and homelessness and crisis and addiction and mental health and health in general and new roads and all of it. So yeah, I'm always going to vote for political parties that put the needs of the people At large first, I'm always going to make decisions that I feel are good decisions and kind decisions and have a net positive and are ethically in the clear. And sometimes those decisions are going to look like they're in an ethical grey area to other people. And that's something I've got to get comfortable with. It's something if you would like to run a bed and breakfast or a short-term rental, it's something you've got to get comfortable with because otherwise... People asking you these questions and feeling good about it and feeling settled in it is going to be really difficult and you don't want to be doing that every day. You don't want to be fighting for your life in terms of like why this is a good and important decision. You've got to be sure of it. So I'm going to step down off of my soapbox now about ethical considerations when it comes to short-term rentals. You probably have more questions than I answered, but that's okay, because on Wednesday's episode we will be talking all things Q&A, AMA, just answers and asking and anything. I can't wait, good human, to tell you all about that and all about what running an Airbnb actually looks like. I'll leave the ethical stuff here for now, but I love you, really, really. I could not be recording this podcast without your beautiful ears letting me wrap it around you, and I will speak to you soon. Okay. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land.